Scripture says there is no authority except from God. And Pastor Xavier Reese warns leaders to proceed with caution. It has been said that power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. Remember that. It begins with the most simple person all the way to whatever the most powerful person in the world. There's something innate in us that loves to be in control and to use it for ourselves unless we give our lives to the Lord. Very important. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Self-serving, insubordination, power-hungry, and the undermining of authority. No doubt, these are characteristics to be aware of within any institution, but not inside the church. Or are they? Well, coming up in a message titled, Beware of Absaloms, Pastor Xavier reveals that such opportunists are in fact attempting to cause division in the body of believers. And it's an unfortunate simple truth uncovered within the household of King David that we'll be looking at as our series in 2 Samuel continues. Let's look to the objectives of an Absalom. In chapter 15, verse 6, Absalom's attempt to create this unity where there is unity bringing division. It says, Absalom stole the hearts of the men of Israel. This is one of their objectives, to create this unity. He stole the hearts of the men of Israel by presenting himself as interested in the people, but he was not. By undermining others in authority, manipulating the people, and by exalting self in order to gain authority over the people. These are absent. That's their objective. Proverbs 26, 28 says, A lying tongue hates those who are crushed by it, and a flattering mouth works ruin. Second objective if you find in chapter 15, verse 12 and 31 Absalom's turn loyal friendships against each other. In, in verse 12, there Absalom sent for Ahithophel, the Gileanite, David's counselor, as he was offering sacrifice. What a contradiction to be worshiping God and being involved in a treacherous overthrow of God's chosen king. Absalom was not the chosen king. David is suffering consequences. God has forgiven him and judged him, and he's got to deal with that. But nevertheless, David was still the anointed king. You understand? Absalom took advantage of Ahithophel's disappointment. Verse 31 of chapter 15 gives us the effects of betrayal by close friends. And it's always painful and devastating, yet one must trust God for it when it happens. Listen to the verse. Then someone told David, saying, Ahithophel is among the conspirators with Absalom. And David said, O Lord, I pray, turn the counsel of Ahithophel into foolishness. And David records this in Psalm 55, 12 through 14. For it is not an enemy who reproached me, then I could bear it. Nor is it one who hates me, who has exalted himself against me, then I could hide from him. But it was you, a man, my equal, my companion, my acquaintance. We took sweet counsel together. We walked to the house of God in throng. And so David prayed, Lord, confuse the counsel of Ahithophel. And God did that. 
Though David was suffering consequence for his past sins, God honored the prayer because God had forgiven him and he knew that Ahithophel was wrong. Wow. It's hard when someone who is close to you, that's why it's called treachery. See, if someone, you go buy a car and somebody rips you off, he rips you off. That's not treachery. He's just a thief. They got over on you. But when someone close to your wife, your husband, a brother, a sister who's close, betrays you, that's treachery because you've let him in. You understand? You've trusted him completely. That's what makes it treacherous. Third objective of Absalom is found in chapter 17 of 2 Samuel. Absalom's used people in order to get the best result without any concern for people. In 17, 1 through 4, as you know, Ahithophel gave the plan to pursue David. He wanted himself to have the permission of Absalom to take 12,000 men and, and, and pursue him while he was weary and weak to kill David, put fear in him. He would bring the people back except for David and secure peace again. See, Ahithophel knew, based on the counsel he had already given to Absalom, remember he gave him the counsel, and we'll cover it a little bit as we go along, to go into his father's concubines up on the rooftop, which is partly prophetic, but nevertheless, it was burning the bridge. There was no reconciliation. Ahithophel has gone in with Absalom. He cannot allow Absalom to go back and reconciliation with his father because then Absalom is left out alone. So he's got to secure that, so he makes Absalom abhorrent to his father. And now David has heard that he's with Absalom. Absalom has no, Ahithophel has no choice. It's do or die. Look at verse 5 through 14 of chapter 17. Hushai gave his plan next and was chosen over Ahithophel's. In verse 5 through 7, the advice of, of Ahithophel was not good at this time. Very politically savvy. <laughs> and in 8 through 10, that David was a seasoned warrior. And there would be many casualties if you take that counsel. And 11 through 13, Absalom should be the one to lead the battle from Dan to Bathsheba. Get all the troops. But look at verse 14. It was the hand of God that overturned the counsel of Ahithophel. God was in this. God honored the prayer of David. And the spies they left behind, Hushai and the two sons of Abiathar and Ahimaaz, the sons of the priest. God was in this to overthrow Absalom. Now notice in chapter 17, verse 23, Ahithophel went home and committed suicide. Now, when Ahithophel saw that his advice was not followed, he saddled a donkey, arose, and went home to his house, to his city. And then he put his household in order and hanged himself and died. And he was buried in his father's tomb. Again, he understood at this point. His plan is rejected. He knows David's going to win. The only hope was to pursue him right then. He's got no way out. But see, when he took his own life, he was in bigger trouble. I give nobody any assurance when they take their life. The Bible says, no murderer shall enter the kingdom of God. Another objective of abstinence is given in chapter 13. Well, I'm going to give you a whole bunch of them here because the objective is to rule over people. 
This is their main objective, to rule over people. And I'm going to give you some scriptures that will confirm this. In chapter 13, verse 28, it says he commanded the murder of Amnon. He's in control. Okay? He's not king, but he declares himself as king. In chapter 14, 30-31, he burned Joab's field to summon him to come. Remember? He wouldn't come. So then he tells his servant, go burn his field. Joab comes in, what are you doing? Hey, well, you didn't come. They're in control. In 2 Samuel 15, 12, he undermined his father's authority, even those of his close friends. They're in control. In 15, 10, he was a self-acclaimed king. He's in control. In 16, 21 through 22, he demonstrated it by the most disrespectful act that could ever be committed, which would stop any reconciliation of father and son as he went into the concubines that David left behind. In control. Ahithophel was the one who had advised Absalom to do that. No wonder he committed suicide. Ahithophel knew David would not let him live if he came back. But he was a coward for committing suicide. It has been said that power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. Remember that. It begins with the most simple person all the way to whatever the most powerful person in the world. There's something innate in us that loves to be in control and to use it for ourselves unless we give our lives to the Lord. Then we use what we have and the authority we have to serve, not to manipulate, not to control. Very important. These are some of the objectives of an Absalom. Mark them well. Now, Let's finish looking at the outcome of an Absalom, just in case you're going to want to be one. <laughs> Chapter 15, verse 11, tells us that some innocent people are even dragged in without knowing it. 200 men there who were innocent accompanied Absalom to Hebron. And there are some people, they're, just in, they, they're, they're clueless and they get dragged in. New believers, young Christians, these people know, they look. Naive people, despite of the years in ministry, sometimes they do it. Another outcome is found in chapter 18, verse 7 and 8. Tragically, many of the people deceived end up getting hurt and destroyed. 20,000 fell in battle that day in the forest. That's a lot of people. And I can tell you and assure you as a pastor... Of the number of people that have been destroyed by Absalom's. They wipe out so many people. They poison them, they contaminate them, they manipulate them, and then they're gone, and the people are left devastated. Works of God are destroyed. Some are stumbled for a long time, others become bitter towards Christianity or the church. And still others are scattered and never really belong to the church. So they say, well, we just have home church. When they tell me that, I go, you live on an island? 
You get shipwrecked. You're the only one. Have home church. But if you live in a city, you are to find a church and be the church. So that God can use you for his glory so you can grow, so you can be accountable to God. So you can live in the real world of the church, not some fictitious plastic church. The third outcome is in chapter 18. Inevitable destruction to self. In verse 9, the vainglory usually becomes their downfall. Even as Absalom paraded and prided himself in his hair, it became the object of his downfall. Listen to what it says in verse 9 there. Then Absalom met the servants of David. They're in the forest in battle. Absalom rode on a mule, big dummy. That's when you're a king and you're being inaugurated. When you go to war, you use a horse. <laughs> and the mule went under the thick boughs of a great terebinth tree, and his head caught in the terebinth, so he was left hanging between heaven and earth, and the mule which was under him went away. What a beautiful description of Aslan's. They hang suspended between heaven and earth, and they get hung by their own glory. Wow. Pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before the fall, Proverbs 16, 18. It's not if, it's when. If God doesn't get you here, he'll get you there. Doesn't matter, does it? Look at 14 and 15. Their ultimate end is to reap in kind to their own sowing, even as Aslan's beauty was mutilated by the sword of judgment. Joab thrust three spears through Absalom's heart and the young men killed him. You see, nobody wanted to be charged for the murder of Absalom by King David. So by everybody came. Who did? I don't know. We all shot. That's why when they used to execute people in a firing line, they give one soldier the bullet. Everybody else blanks. So nobody would know who was the one that struck him. Now, this is the way which seems right to a man, the proverb says, but the end thereof for the ways of death, Proverbs 14, 12. You see, it seems so good to them, the way they're doing it. Man, they're good at it. They're pros. But the end, the end is a way of death. Another outcome is found at the end of chapter 18 in the first verse of 19. Loved ones hurt and grieve over the consequences when these things happen. In verse 33 of 18, sometimes family members suffer much due to the excommunication of their loved ones from the church due to their involvement in divisions. It says, Proverbs 10, 18 says, whoever hides hatred has lying lips and whoever spreads slander is a fool. Listen to the words of David, verse 33. Then the king was deeply moved and went up to the chamber over the gate and wept. And as he went, he said, Oh, my son, Absalom, my son, my son, Absalom, if only I had died in your place. Oh, Absalom, my son, my son. I think David was grieving for his own failure over his son. Realizing at that point, if I only would have taken time, if I only would have corrected him, and rightly so. What a grievous way to live. 
Sometimes in verse 1 of 19, their grief and mourning is great due to seeing their backslidden condition by their disobedience to correct and discipline that child. Here's the evidence of it. Look at verse 1. And Joab was told, Behold, the king is weeping and mourning for Absalom. And as we read on, Joab rebukes him. He says, You're weeping for your enemy. And and, and you would have been happier if all of us would have died and he would have lived. And he rebukes him. He says, If you don't walk out with me and face the people, you will regret this day. It'll be the worst day of the worst of your life. Wow. When things happen in our families and people get involved in division, stuff like that, you be careful that you stand for God, not for your children, not for your friends, but you stand for God. If you stand for God, you will be true and loving to your family because you're making the right decision. You want to see, make them see their error so they can turn and be right with God. You don't want to get sucked in and be part of that. Then you become part of the problem. You don't justify your child if he's out there smoking weed and getting loaded or living in sin. You confront them. You deal with them. You plead with them. You hold them accountable. You don't just say, well, you know, he's building his testimony. How stupid I've heard parents say that. You want to slap them. (laughs) Jeremiah 2.9 says, your own wickedness will correct you. And your backslidings will rebuke you. Know therefore and see that it is an evil and bitter thing that you have forsaken the Lord your God. And the fear of me is not in you, says the Lord God of hosts. The Lord God of hosts is the captain of the armies of heaven. When that title is there, he's fighting against whosoever he's speaking to. And he's never lost a fight. Another outcome is in chapter 19. Verse 18 through 23, first. There are those who are like weather vanes, depending which way the wind is blowing. Let me give you some. In 1918 through 23, there are Shemites who act as if they are seemingly repentant only for their own benefit. Remember when David was leaving, he was throwing rocks, calling him a bloody man, and God has turned it on you because you killed Saul, this and that, and everything else. And David and, and Abishai wanted to take his head, no, I'll leave him alone. Maybe God told him to curse me. But when David comes back, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't, I, there's weather veins. There are also Ahithophels that we've touched, bitterness and disgruntled people who merely will join in to take revenge for their own reasons. Proverbs 14.10 says, The heart knows its own bitterness, and a stranger does not share its joy. Oh, how true that is. When you're joyous, boy, people, oh, they just, you make people comfortable. But when you're bitter, people can't, they don't experience that. They don't know how bad you are. They don't understand the misery. They can't partake of that. Then there are masses in chapter 20, verse 6. Those who remain in the body and still sympathize with Absalom's and are nothing but trouble to the body. Amasa was related to Joab and to David. They're in the family. <laughs> and Absalom puts him as his commanding general because Joab's with David. But the most tragic outcome is when the church is divided. In chapter 20, verse 1, the division is not subtle. 
but bold by blowing the trumpet. And there happened to be there a rebel whose name was Sheba, the son of Bakri, a Benjamin. And he blew a trumpet. See, a Benjamin, he, he's still faithful to Saul. Okay? And said, we have no share in David, nor do we have inheritance of the son of Jesse. Every man to his tent, O Israel. When the opportunity is right, they're very bold. Romans 16, 17, Paul says, Now I urge you, brethren, note those who cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you learn and avoid them. When people try to approach you to make you carnal like them, to make you part of their plot, to make you part of their sin, have the good sense to mark them and reprove them. And if somebody poisons you and says, you know, this guy said this or that guy or that pastor, this and that, your responsibility is to go back to that individual and say, listen, I need to find out something from you. Tell me directly. This is what some so-and-so told me. Is this true? Do not run on people's information. Matthew 18 says, you go back to that person. You don't run on gossip. You don't run on slander. You don't run on lies. Nobody does that in the church today. That's why the church is so messed up. The virtue of faithful loyalty to the kingdom is cast away. Cast away. Let me give you a principle that Ezekiel gives us. Ezekiel 34, 2 through 6. It's to shepherds, literally, directly. So the main responsibility is to the pulpit. But in principle, it applies to you. Let me read that. Ezekiel 34, 2 through 6. Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, Thus saith the Lord God to the shepherds, Woe to the shepherds of Israel who feed themselves. Woe is not on a horse. That means judgment. Okay? Judgment. Should not the shepherds feed the flocks? You eat the fat and clothe yourself with the wool. You slaughter the fatling, but you do not feed the flock. The weak you have not strengthened, nor have you healed those who were sick nor bound up the broken, nor brought back what was driven away, nor sought what was lost, but with force and cruelty you have ruled them. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd. And they became food for all the beasts of the field when they were scattered. My sheep wandered through all the mountains and on every high hill. Yes, my flock was scattered over the whole face of the earth and no one was seeking or searching for them. Woe to the pastors of the churches in the world who do not feed the people the word of God, verse by verse, chapter by chapter, book by book, and warn them about all that is in the scriptures. The judgment is so great. Let there be many teachers, James says, for them will be the greater judgment. These are some of the outcomes of an Absalom, in case you're interested. And so don't throw away the benefit as we've identified these three things about Absaloms. The characteristics of an Absalom, learn to identify them. They're easy to spot. The objectives of an Absalom, don't forget them. They're self-serving. And the outcome of an Absalom, only destruction of lives and themselves. It's not a pretty picture, but it's a very important picture that we have in the Bible. 
And God forbid we should ignore it. Pastor Xavier Reese has been cautioning the family of believers that those wanting to cause harm and division to the church are unfortunately found within the church, as it was with King David's family by his son, Absalom. Now, today's study is simply titled, Beware of Absaloms, and is available on CD upon request for just $4. And this will also include everything Pastor Xavier shared the last time we were together as well. So once again, the title to ask for is, Beware of Absaloms, or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing, Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, Call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. And then join us for more Simple Truths next time with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 